0: Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. How many of you are excited about this morning? Amen. All right. I hope, I hope the rest of you catch up. You know, the Bible always says, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, that's a telling yourself to rejoice. Because we don't always feel like it. But it's, it's not a matter of how we feel. It's a matter of choice. You know, all through the gospel, all through God's word, we are given choice. You're like, can't God do whatever he wants? Well, yeah, he could have. But he desired relationship over forcing you to have a relationship with him. He gave you the choice to choose a relationship with him. So uh, you got to know that life is full of choices. So today you can choose doom and gloom. You can choose to say, "Lord, I thank you that I'm still alive and standing and doing well. Maybe I'm not in the exact position I would want to be, but all is well. God, you are still on your throne. You have not fallen off that throne. And as long as you are in control, I know I'm going to be okay." Right? That's the hope that we have as as a son and daughter of the King. So, so this morning we are going to go into week three of our evangelism series. Um, So far, we've looked at what? We've looked at the gospel. We've looked at the blood and today we're gonna look and we're gonna actually meet the Holy Spirit. That, that, that is my goal, that is my agenda, that you would meet Holy Spirit today, that you wouldn't just walk around and, 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 just, and just hear a, a story or hear a concept, but you would come into an encounter this morning with Holy Spirit like you never have. Now this morning you say, well, Pastor Noe, I, I know who Holy Spirit is, I've, I, you know I've actually been filled with the Holy Spirit, but guess what, do you know that there is a continual filling that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life? It's not a one and done. Right, You know, it's something that he continually wants to do in your life and through your life. But we remember from, from the, the very first uh, series, remember, it says that you are called to do the work of what? The evangelist. And you're like, whoa, 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 what you talking about evangelist, right? So 2 Timothy 4, 5, it says, do the work of the evangelist. So the work of the evangelist, to, in order to do that, you have to understand the gospel. You have to understand the blood. And you have to meet The Holy Spirit, okay? And you have to understand what the Holy Spirit's role is. You have to understand what the gospel is, and you have to understand what the blood did. I'm not going to repeat all of my messages. We do have podcasts available. You can go back and watch those streams. I would encourage you, the gospel, the blood, and this one are going to be critical to the success of your ministry life. This is not just like, oh man, we had a great message, and you leave, and you leave it here, and, and you never take. This is something that should change you forever, all right, So I want to break down the gospel, the blood, and, and, the, and the Holy Spirit in a little bit way, better way. Maybe you can understand it. So we have to see the gospel as the way. The way, right? It's the good news of what Jesus did for you and I. And Jesus was the only way. The gospel is Jesus. You got that? Yes. If not, I'll go back to series one. Because if we don't understand Jesus, we can't understand the Holy Spirit. We got to have Jesus to get the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to connect those in just a minute. So the gospel is the way. So the blood is the price. The price tag for sin. The price tag, sin was dealt with once and for all. And the blood covers us and forgives sin. So the gospel is the way. The blood is the price. So who is the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit is God the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the gift. So we have the way we have the price and we have the gift this is the divine person indwelling the christian we talking about indwelling he lives inside you know my kids once asked me dad how can a big god who created the heaven and the earth fit inside of me right the concept of god but the concept of god his spirit it's very it's possible right all right. So he indwells indwells every Christian and it is the work within the individual to fulfill the will of God. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So we have the way, we have the price, and we have the gift. So how many of you know that every good story starts with in the beginning or a long, long time ago. You know, every good story, right? You know, you get all the the dramatic sounds, and we don't have any sounds set up this morning, but like, if I was gonna go back, guess what? God did the same thing. He went back to the beginning, He went back to the front. If we look in Genesis, do you know why He went back to the beginning? Because He was there in the beginning. You know, this is not just a creation thing where God just showed up. He always is, he always was, and he will always be. But just in case you're confused about that, let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning, a long, long time ago, back in Genesis 1, 1 through 2. If you don't know your books of the Bible, that's the first one, okay? So Genesis 1, 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Listen to this. And it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Who was hovering? The Spirit of God, a.k.a. who? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So that's in the beginning. So, you know, a lot of times we, 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 have the, we have the hardest time with the Holy Spirit. You agree with that? We understand God, we understand Jesus, and we derail when we talk about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was always involved. He was always active. He was always part of the picture. All right, so let's go to John 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, oh, back to the same story, was the Word, and the Word was with God. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on. Who's the Word? Okay, so in the beginning, according to Genesis, we had God and the Holy Spirit. Then if we go over to the book of John, we had Jesus and God. Well, if God was with the Holy Spirit and God was with Jesus, sounds like they were all together, camped out together in one place. All right, just giving you some framework. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay. Jesus equals God. God equals the Spirit. It's a long equation. I don't know, I've know got to go back to that algebra. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about this algebra. God equals Jesus. Jesus equals Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit equals God. Jesus equals Holy Spirit. However you want to look at it, they're all exactly the same. But they, they serve a little bit different function and a different purpose, but yet they all work together to accomplish God's specific plan. Now, listen to this. In verse 3, it says, through him, all things were made. Through who? Jesus. Oh, so God needed Jesus to create. So you've got to look at what is it saying? What is it implying? And it says, without him... Nothing was made or has ever been made. So God couldn't do it without Jesus, and we couldn't receive salvation apart from Jesus, but we couldn't be led to this place of conviction without the work of the Holy Spirit. And thank God he was hovering over the face of the earth. And, you know, we see all of this framework of what God was doing. So there was always a plan for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit to be involved in a well-rounded, perfect process. You agree with that? You know, it wasn't just God and the end, or it wasn't just Jesus and the end, but it was the Holy Spirit. So when we look at that, we want to see the big picture. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have always been and will always work together to accomplish God's purpose and plan for the world. So God did his part in creating everything, the heavens and the earth and everything in them through Jesus. That's what it says. Nothing was made or has been made apart from Jesus. Trying to give you some doctrine framework. I'm just making guesses, okay? It says, Then Jesus came to earth as a man, proving he was the perfect sacrifice, forgiving sin for all humanity, and then he returned and sat at the right hand of God. You're still following me, okay? It says, Then do you know what happened? You know, he just didn't go up to heaven and he'd just sit there and say, okay, well, we're done. So, so this is what, you know, in my mind, I said, Lord, what happened at that? Jesus entered the gates of heaven after he accomplished everything that he did. He high-fived the Holy Spirit and said, my job is done. Now you get to work. The, the jo- it was not completed, but it was just beginning to start God's master plan to make us and create us to be all that he has called us to be. That there's a heaven, that there's a hell, that it matters what we do in this lifetime, and that there is a spirit within us that, if it knows Jesus, goes to heaven. If it doesn't know Jesus, goes to hell. There is a heaven, there is a hell, but there is a spirit that not only changes and convicts and leads us to Jesus, but a spirit that actually comes and lives where? Inside of us. So we're without excuse. You ever ever said, Well, Lord, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you, you know, why are you not near to me? He says, my spirit will be with you and live within you. We just forget that promise. We forget that the Holy Spirit lives within us. So Jesus high-fived the Holy Spirit. He says, my job done. It's now. It's your turn. Your turn. So the Holy Spirit was sent to us as God's second greatest gift following salvation. You know, just salvation is pretty cool. But God wasn't done. He sent us the next best gift. And and, and hear that word, gift. It is a gift. It is a gift for you. So let's look real quick at the the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Because I want to make sure you understand, what was the difference? Why did it matter that Jesus had to come and he had to send the Spirit? And Jesus actually said, it is better for I to go away. This is what he told his disciples. Now, if I'm a disciple, I'm like, no, it's better that you stay here. I don't want you to go. You perform miracles. You've told me everything. You know, just the other day, you told me, when will you understand? Get behind me, Satan. Like you, you said all these things to me. Now you're going to go away. So in my mental mind as a disciple, it is not better that Jesus goes away, but that Jesus stays on earth. But Jesus said, it is better that I go away. So in the Old Testament, it says it always would refer to the spirit as the spirit of God. Okay, and in, in Scripture it says that the Spirit would come up on them; it would rest on them. In First Samuel 16, 3, 13 through fourteen, it says, "So Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him." That's talking about David uh, in the presence of his brothers, and it says, "From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David." And then in verse 14, it says, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. So, okay, so what's going on? So there is a resting upon and there is a removing of that resting of the spirit of God on Saul. And now it goes over here and it rests on David. But hear the word, rest. For me to rest my hand on you is one thing. For my spirit to indwell you is completely different. And that's the direction we're going. So we see all through that Old Testament, even in Ezekiel 37 it says the Lord was upon me. This mantle of a moment. So in the in the Old Testament, the spirit of God would rest on chosen men and it appeared only one at a time. Right? He left Saul and then he went to David and he couldn't be at every place at one time he would choose prophets he would pr- choose ma- mighty men of god and he would rest upon them for a season and then they'd mess up and god would change that you know even david in his greatest sin moments did you, 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 you if you remember what his prayer was it says lord take not your holy spirit from me because he knew that there was a mantle of resting on his life that enabled him to do all that god has called him to do well, that was great for David, but what about everybody else that didn't have that resting upon? Well, it wasn't fair. David, you got it because the mantle of God's Spirit is on you, but it's not on me. What happened that day when the, the Spirit of God removed from Saul and rested on David? That became a bad day for Saul. Right? It became a great day for David. So we see this change we see, we see what happens in, in, that, in that Old Testament is that, that they, were, they were rested upon. But then Jesus came and he told of a new way that the Holy Spirit would function after his return to the Father. And he said it was going to be a better way. So I want you to understand this is how it was and this is how it is going to be. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about how it was because I don't want you to get stuck there. I want you to know what is for you today, right now, in this moment, following Jesus' resurrection. Because that's what I need to know, right? Okay. So if we look at this passage, he talks about a better way. So I'm going to look at a few passages, a few different scriptures. And we're going to look at first and foremost, the authority of Jesus. Then we're going to look at a new baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to look at the promise. And then we're going to look at the power. Okay, because every single one of these facets, they are critical to understanding the big picture of what happened. Now, in this first passage in John 20, 19 through 23, we're looking at a new authority that was given to his disciples. Now, this scripture kind of messed me up till God gave me the revelation of what this scripture meant. So it talks about on the first day of the week. So this is after Jesus has already heard or had already died. And it says, they locked the doors out of fear of the Jewish leaders because Jesus had you know, raised from the dead. They didn't know what happened. It says in verse 20, it says, and he said to them, he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them the scars. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw Jesus. So giving you the framework, he had already raised from the dead. He showed up to them, kind of startled them. Hey, Jesus, how'd you get in? Once Jesus raised from the dead, he could go and come and do whatever he wanted. He was no no longer confined to a fleshly experience, but he became all that God wanted him and needed him to be. He didn't need a doorway. He could just walk through the wall. Kind of like ghosts, something like, I mean, I don't know how it works. He just shows up when he wants to show up. He leaves when he wants to leave. But it says they were overjoyed. And he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And listen to this passage. And with that, he breathed. He breathed on them and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Okay, now this word "breathe" means to puff or to blow. It it means to germination or a sprouting forth. It means growth, literally or figuratively. It means a springing up. Now, if you know in Acts, and you know a little bit later, it's like, okay, so receive the Holy Spirit. Dot dot dot. Receive the Holy Spirit again. What was he saying here? Because it threw me off because I said, okay, he told them to receive the Holy Spirit before the book of Acts. So what was he saying? Let me give you a good life lesson. If you don't know what it means, keep reading the next verse. Okay, so it goes on to say, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And in verse 23, and it says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, their sins are not forgiven. Okay, so what was Jesus doing here when he said, receive the Holy Spirit? He was giving them a new measure of authority. So we know that in, in Luke five twenty four Jesus said, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he took that same authority that the Father gave him, and guess who he gave it to? To the disciples. But he, if he gave it to the disciples, guess who he gave it to? You and I. Now, that's a scary one. I'm like, so I can straight up go up to somebody and say, hey, your sins are forgiven? Jesus did it. That's what this scripture is saying. It says that he gave them that same authority. If you forgive anyone's sin, so you have the power to forgive someone else's sin. It's like, man, you sure? I'm a pastor, but that's some scary stuff. I forgive your sin? Can I do that? If I fully act in the authority of Jesus, absolutely. Absolutely. So with this passage, it comes from the same passage in a reference where it talks about binding and loosing in Matthew 16, 19, 18, 18. Whatever you bind on earth will will, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, there is this new authority that has been given to his people. That all happened when Jesus died on the cross and he raised from the dead. He gave us a new authority. Pretty cool, huh? Well, we could stop there, but he also gave us, number two, a new baptism. So if we look at that passage, in Matthew three eleven, it says, I baptize you with water for repentance. So this was John the Baptist. Sorry, I'm giving you tons of scripture this morning. Um, but it's John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Say fire. fire. This, is some, this is Holy Spirit and fire. It's two different words. It's not the Holy Spirit is fire, but the Holy Spirit and fire. How many many of you know what fire does? It's hot. Burns stuff up. It's fun to play with. I'm just playing. Don't do that one. Um, But it it causes things to change, right? You know, I don't know if you've ever been next to a fire that is really, really hot, and you're like almost singeing your eyebrows and eyelashes. It radiates heat, but it says the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay? So let's keep looking at this. John 1, 32 through 33. And this is John. John gave this testimony. He says, I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Okay, so, so we're getting the same framework that we saw in the Old Testament. Now, it, it, it wasn't a dove that just sat on his shoulder the rest of his life. It, the spirit came down in the form of a dove. So it symbolized kind of this fluttery heavenly glow. And it came. And what did it say? It said it rested on him. And it says it, it remained, it, but it remained on him. Okay? And in verse 33, it says, I myself did not know him. So at that moment, John the Baptist didn't even know it was Jesus, but he said, the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. So now he's referencing God. He says, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. So there was something different. He got baptized and the spirit came and it remained. It, did, it, did, it didn't just go and go away. It remained on him. All right? Let's keep going. John 3, 34. It says, For the one whom God has sent, has sent speaks the word of God and God gives the spirit without limit. Okay. Let's camp there just for a minute. What was the difference between Jesus and everyone else? The Spirit was given without measure. And this was going to be the change. It, there was, there was going to no longer be a limit to what you could or couldn't do. If the Spirit could do it, Jesus could do it. And I think that that was the agreement. Jesus said, I will go as a man. I will die on that cross. But God, we know that only the Spirit Living inside of mankind, that's the only way where the signs, the wonders, that fire power can happen. But it says that he, was give, he gave it to the sun without limit, full measure. That's all the way cranked up, didn't hold anything back. And we see that really in the life of Jesus. So let, let, me, let me camp out there just for a minute and, and let you know about my personal testimony. So I grew up in the church. Um, man, I was in youth groups my whole life, and I remember I grew up in a Christian home, and I had always felt like, hey, I'm going to get to heaven because my parents are Christians and we're a Christian family, so when I get to heaven, if God says, why should I let you in, I'm going to say, because my mom and dad served you, and by default, I get the same merit. That was my contingency plan, and I remember I went to a youth camp, so really, I got saved at youth camp, and I really... Met the Holy Spirit at youth camp. So youth camps, I'm pro, I'm pro youth camps. Things, awesome things can happen at youth camps. Awesome things can happen at kid camp. Anytime that you get alone and you are focusing on God, good things happen. So I remember being at that moment at, at, at youth camp and he starts preaching, the, the, you know, like, you know, you know, when you get those messages where they're talking right to you and you can't shrink down small enough to get away from the pastor and they nail you to the wall and you know you're guilty. And, and he said something along the lines, you cannot make it to heaven on the shirt tails of your parents. It's like, man, now what? That was the plan. He says, but you have to know Jesus for yourself. You have to ask him to come into your heart. And when you do that, it will happen. And guess what? I was like, huh, that's it? So at that moment, I received salvation. Raised my hand, took that walk. And, and I was forever changed. I felt the Spirit of God begin to change things. One of the biggest things that changed was my anger. I used to get stupid angry. If you've if you got anger issues, you know what stupid angry is. Disconnect the brain and you're just responding in a way that's like, it's kind of like that outer body experience when you're watching yourself act a fool, but you just can't stop. Anybody know? Ain't, no, ain't no way I'm the only one right? You know, so you have that outer body experience, but that was one of the things that I just began to walk in a measure of grace. And, and you know, and when I was a child, I always tell this story. I had the neighbors down the road. They used to beat me up. And I was little back then. I'm pretty good size now, but I made a vow. I said, man, when I get bigger, I'm going to bust y'all up and I'm going to make you feel the pain you made me feel. Well, guess what? I got saved before that happened. And, but I remember that it was serious. I said, Oh, I'm gonna make y'all bleed. Like you made me bleed in a not-Christian good way. But just the forgiveness, the compassion. But I still didn't feel the power. I still didn't really have the fullness of that cleansing fire to begin to change certain things that I could not change. You know, it's kind of like when, if you're hanging from a rope and you're holding on as long as you can and you say, Just a little longer, don't let go. Well, you know what happens at some point? You Can't hold on anymore. So then came another youth camp where I figured out and I got introduced to the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit's like? The Holy Spirit is not like holding on to that rope and, not, and trying to not let go. But the Holy Spirit is the, actually the one holding me to the rope. I don't have to do it anymore. He does the work and he releases the power and I just let loose and let him do his thing but I remember at this other youth camp they started talking about Holy Spirit and I grew up in the church. We talked about Holy Spirit but it was just like Holy Spirit dot and we just kept going. We never talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. So when, when I was at this camp they started talking about Holy Spirit. I was like, what is this frubu jubu stuff we're talking I never heard of none of this. I said, man, it's in there and they started showing me scripture and context. It's like, man, like Is this like the biggest hidden secret that nobody, like nobody wants nobody knowing? Am I the only one that's ever read this? And I remember at that moment, everything changing. Now, I remember at that youth camp being very judgmental of some of my other buddies who uh, really got a touch from the Lord quicker than I got a touch from the Lord. And I remember, they made it real simple. They said, just ask for the Holy Spirit, receive it as a free gift, just like salvation is a gift. Receiving the Holy Spirit is a gift. And I remember sitting there because my other buddy got prayed for, and he was all excited. He was all pumped up. But guess what? I knew that guy. I knew the kind of life he lived. I knew the sin in his life. And I started getting mad at God. I said, Lord, how in the world are you going to get somebody on fire like that? And you ain't going to give me some of that Jesus juice. Like, that was how my mind was processing it. So I'm sitting there judging that guy. I'm so frustrated with that guy. And you know what God did in that moment? And we're going to look at just a moment. There's something significant about laying hands on someone to receive an impartation. Well, guess what? My sinful heathen buddy got filled with the Holy Spirit and was bubbling over. And I'm mad at him. And I'm judging him. You know what God did? He brought that fool over to me. And that guy placed his hands on me. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Take that, (laughs) right? The person I was judging, God used to impart His Holy Spirit to me. And I remember, I said, Lord, help me never judge. I know I'm guilty of that, and I sometimes, but it blew my mind. But from, from youth camp to youth camp, I found Jesus, and then I found the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, everything changed. I realized I wasn't the one holding the rope anymore, but it was Him that was holding me. All right? So number one, he gives us a new authority. Number two, Jesus came and there was a new baptism. And now we look at that there is a promise of Holy Spirit Going to look at a, a handful of scriptures here as we go through the rest of this. But the promise of the Holy Spirit, John 15, 26. And I don't have that reference, but uh, 16, 17 through 15. I'm just going to give you a few of these. I don't want you to get lost in all the concepts. If you want to write these down, you can go back and look at them later. But in verse 26, this is Jesus talking. He says, and when the advocate comes... So realize, in Scripture, there's a lot of words that describe who the Holy Spirit is. Just like in the Old Testament, like this morning, we we talked about Jehovah Jireh, which is God my provider. When God gives himself a name, it helps us understand who he is. So when we get a name for the Holy Spirit, it does the same thing. It helps us understand who he is. So here Jesus says, the advocate comes, I will send him to you from my Father, the Spirit of Truth. Who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And then in, verse, in that verse 7, it says, But very uh, truly I tell you, for it is for your good that I go away. Here's that dynamic dialogue that I was telling you about where the disciples, he's telling the it's better that I go away. I think deep down I say, no, it's not. But what does he say? Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. So this was going to be a new way. Jesus had to go back to the Father to send the Holy Spirit to us in a new measure. How do we know that it changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Because there had to be a change in the positioning of Jesus. There had to be a mediator between God and us that was forever sealed Right? We looked at last week, the blood, when the blood was covered you, was good. When the blood didn't cover you, it was no good. But Jesus was the final sacrifice that covered us, that let, allowed us to be in continual connection with God. To where that same measure of His Spirit that was given to Jesus without measure, guess what? Could be given to us without measure. Where are the ones that throttled it back? Say, so, whoa, 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 just a little bit. All right? So we, we look at this passage and it says the Holy Spirit, he's going to deal with sin. He's going to deal with righteousness. He's going to re- deal with judgment. It's a whole other message. It says, but when, the, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That is a good thing. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Uh, a lot of people want to know the future. Guess what? Holy Spirit knows the future. He knows what's coming when you don't know what's coming. It says that he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, if y'all chasing fortune tellers, you need to be chasing the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. you know. And you see that all the time. Oh, I just need someone to read my future to tell me what's coming. Well, the Holy Spirit promises to do that, so you didn't really get shortchanged. You were just uninformed. Okay. So he would lead you into all truth. He would not speak on his own, but he would only speak what the Father's saying, and he will tell you what, what is yet to come. So I'm trying to give you a lot of... Fr- this is who the Holy Spirit is. But it says that it is better for me to go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit in Scripture, the the Greek word is parakletos. Now, parakletos, you know, it it has a bunch of different words. But in Scripture, I'm going to give you the list. It says comforter, standby, advocate, intercessor, teacher, friend, guide, counselor, strengthener, Leader, helper, and partner. That is who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is also referred to as pneuma, which is the breath of God. The breath of God. So when we look at all of these words, go back to that previous slide just for a moment. Do you know the Holy Spirit as this person? I like that word, standby. He's just like right there on clutch when I need him. Like He's just sitting there waiting on me. Right? You know, and I think we have to realize that He's just right there. He's there for us. That was the whole point. Jesus said, I don't leave you alone. I don't leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you to be your comforter, to be your teacher, to be your advocate, to be your friend, to be your strengthener. How many of you need strengthening? All of these things. This is well rounded. This is like, I don't know why you would not want this. Now I didn't know all this when I received the Holy Spirit. If I don't know nothing, I'd be like, yeah, sign me up. Let the heathen pray for me. I don't care. It wasn't explained to me where I had a full understanding of who this Holy Spirit was. I met the Holy Spirit, then I learned who he was. I'm telling you who he who he is, so that you will have no reservation to meet him this morning. If you know who he is, he is trustworthy. He's just like God. Has your best interest in mind every single time. Isn't it good that God has our best interest in mind even when we have lost our mind? Well, Lord, this is my will. This is your will. This ain't your will. Shut up. Right? You know, if you don't get something that you pray for, check your motives. If it don't come to pass, thank God for it. When we bought our house, I was trying to buy another house. I kept going up on my offers. I kept going up. Man, it never worked out. And then the house I'm in now showed up and I prayed a fraction of the price. Thank God he didn't let me have my ignorance. I'd still be working on that house today. That house was huge. It took me forever to get my house somewhat fixed up, and I'm still working on that little house. But if God would just said, so be it, son, you idiot, right? And just let me do it. But sometimes he does not come through because he doesn't need to come through, and it's not even according to his will. So if you're working that hard to try to change God's mind, just yield, give up, and say, Lord, may your will be done. Remember, the Holy Spirit knows the future, right? He knew what I needed. Guess what? He also knew what I didn't need, all right? So when we see the Holy Spirit and we think about the Holy Spirit, why would we not want Him actively involved in our lives? It's a great, that's a great question, right? Why would we not? That's what I challenge you with today. So the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is my favorite part. We talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, what about the power? Man, you mean I can be a superhero? I can have this power within me that puts me on Marvel magazine, right? Puts me up there with the, you know, the, the, those ones that, that have all power and all authority and can accomplish great things. Yes, it does. Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. So we're seeing that word again, gift, gift. It says, which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit way before he left. You know, which I kind of feel like, you know, the disciples should have known when he leaves, the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's going to be a good thing. You know, when he, when he left, they shouldn't be sitting there like, man, I wonder what's going to happen. They should know what's going to happen. Same for us today. We should know what is going to happen. Okay, But it says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a new baptism. They were already baptized. They were already baptized in the law. Jesus was baptized. But he says, in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This was not a baptism of water, but this was a baptism of power and fire. It was going to be a new baptism. Acts 1 through 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Let me pause right there. If your life has not been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, has he been released in the measure that this passage is talking about? Now, I'm not saying, you know, those anger issues and gritting your teeth. I went through all that, guys. I fought without the Holy Spirit empowered in my life. But then I fought with the power of the Holy Spirit released in my life. It's so much better letting him do the work in my life. Than me just trying to be good. But it says that he will release power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And this is what happens. When it comes on you, you will be my witnesses. It doesn't say you might preach, you might witness, but it says you will be my witnesses. It causes the witness of your life to come forth. Change in your life. Actual change that you can grasp. Okay? And it says you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth that you might be able to reach your family, your community, and your world. You cannot do this without the Holy Spirit being fully released in your life and receiving that power. You know, as we were talking about the vision of going and getting the one, reaching our family, reaching our community, reaching our world, I said, Lord, what do we need to do that? Well, we need Jesus, we need the blood, and we got to have the Holy Spirit. So that's where this message came from. It's God saying, I'm going to give them everything they need to be successful. All right? Acts 14, 15 through 17. It says, if you you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father who will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth. It's referring to the Holy Spirit again. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. You can't have the Holy Spirit without Jesus, but you get the Holy Spirit with Jesus. It's like the free supersized fry that you don't have to pay for. It comes with the meal. And it's supersized, baby, full of power and authority. It's a good thing. But, but I, think, I think our religious or our minds kind of get us in a spot where we don't want to, it seems foolish. We don't want to be that crazy Christian. You ever been there? Oh, none of y'all care about being crazy. I cared about it. I didn't want to be that crazy. You know, even when I was thinking about this message, I said, Lord, what are you about to do in Harvest Time Church? Because I don't want to be that church that looks like a fool. Right. I said, man, you hear what's going on? I got this Holy Spirit thing going. And, you know, and, and there is nothing against a Pentecostal church. There's nothing against about being excited about the things of God, people moving in power, believing in signs and wonders and all of these things. But, Lord, I said, I want it to be you. I don't want it to be hype. I want it to be a work of your spirit, not just like, oh, let's conjure up this thing. If we jump and we run three laps, it's going to work. I ain't running no three laps. God's going to have to work in me to make me run three laps. Not gonna conjure that up, but the Spirit of God working and moving in my life is what we need. And I said, Lord, I don't care what we look like, but I wanna look like you. But if I wanna look like you, God, I gotta allow the Spirit of God inside of me to have full reign and whatever it may be. Now, this morning, I don't want you to get caught up in what's gonna happen. Doesn't matter what happens, you just gotta let the Spirit of God in. And if it happens, it happens. We're not asking, well, if you do this, clap three times, jump, and holler real loud, and it'll work. There's not a formula. There's not an equation. The most important thing is that you invite Holy Spirit into your heart, but you also release him. Unlock the door. You got all these dead bolts on this Holy Spirit thing because you feel like it's a wild cannon. Well, what happens if I let him out? Guess what? I don't know. But he's good, and he's all God. He's my advocate. He's my friend. He's my helper. He knows the future. It seems like a good thing. I've trusted a lot more stupid things than the Holy Spirit. But we can't trust the Holy Spirit. Come on. But he will remind you. He lives in you and will be with you. Notice it says there, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. To get the Holy Spirit, you got to have Jesus. You can't just get the Holy Spirit and know Jesus. Holy Spirit comes with salvation. And those things, like I said, I received salvation at youth camp, and then I understood the Holy Spirit in youth camp, and then things kind of met in the middle. Guess what? You know what God really wanted? He wanted me to experience salvation at youth camp, and he wanted me to experience the fullness of his Holy Spirit at youth camp. It shouldn't have happened way later. Right? He wanted all of that to happen. He wanted to change me and mold me, but also empower me to be all that he's called me to be at that same moment. Now, thank God it didn't take a long time, but it took some time. Sitting there scratching my head trying to figure out how to be this Christian thing, and it just wasn't working. There were still some rough edges. When the Holy Spirit came, a lot of those things just changed. But guess what? He's still polishing Pastor Noe. There's a little bit of anger in there deep down every now and then. You know, there's a lot of times I just sit there and I think about how I would respond, but I don't do it because I'm way smarter than that now. It's like, man, I'd flip this over, and if that desk wasn't connected right there, I'd flip this thing over. I'd get mad. I'd kick that door. Ah, right? You know? Y'all never do that? You're all them good Christian people, right? <laughs> Come on. All right. <laughs> all right. We keep looking at this. 1 John 14, 26. But when the advocate, the Holy Spirit, comes in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that, that I have said, that, that I have said to you. Man, how many of you know that's a good thing? Because my memory isn't that sharp. But guess what? The Spirit of God will recall everything that I put in. That's why it's so important to read this word. You're like, whoa, 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 I don't know what to do. The devil's busting me up. Well, what have you put in? Because if you put it in you, the spirit can recall it out of you. Now, that's good, bad, and ugly. Just like putting ugly things in, the devil can pull that out too. But if we put in scripture, scripture comes out. Now, I don't know why he didn't put in the reference number. I can quote the scripture and I'll be like, trust me, it's in there. I've just never been a reference guy. But man, I can quote it and say it. You know, and if I put it in there, it says he will remind me, but he will not just remind me, he will teach me. And there's many times, Pastor, know, he's working through a passage. When that that first passage I showed you about that authority, I said, receive the Holy Spirit. Hold on. So did they receive partial? Did they receive this full baptism with power? What did they receive? And he's like, read the next verse, you dummy. It was an authority thing. But it was going to be the new norm. We would receive authority. We would receive a new baptism. We would receive a promise of the Holy Spirit. And then we would receive a power of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 through 14, it says, When he comes, he'll guide you into all truth, tell you what is yet to come. Do you realize that you cannot do the work of the evangelist without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? You can fake it till you make it, but it won't work. We have to have the Holy Spirit working and. Uh, Man, I cannot testify to you enough of where Pastor Noe knows when my ability stops and the Holy Spirit takes over. I hear myself talking that's not on my notes. I'm like, Lord, where is this coming from? It's like, just let the Spirit do his thing. Now, the people in the back, they got my notes. They know when I get completely off my notes and they're scrambling, where's this at? It's not on the notes. It's straight up Holy Spirit inspired. But that's what the Spirit of God does. We can be effective in evangelism if we allow the Spirit of God to flow through us. Notice the words throughout all of this scripture. It goes from resting upon to being filled. It go, rest, resting is external. Being filled is what? Internal. He went from the outside to the inside. He went from the temple to our hearts. Right? He went from upon to within. He changed the intimacy level. So the fullness of the, of the Spirit, look, so th- this is what it says, the fullness of the Spirit. Peter begins to speak out with boldness, Acts 4, eight. So this is after the, the Spirit had been poured out, and in Acts 4.8 it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, notice this is an internal work, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, exclamation point. So he said that with all boldness, with all authority, with all confidence. Now, John 6, what does it say? It says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Now, realize this. This is something that was revolutionary to me. I didn't realize this. I thought, like, Jesus or God or something just kind of worked itself out, and then I get to meet the Holy Spirit over here. Do you realize salvation does not happen apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? You're like, I don't want nothing to do with this Holy Spirit. If you don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit, you're not even saved. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. Who is it that draws you to the heart of the Father? Holy Spirit. We just didn't realize that. That work of salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. God releases the gift of the Holy Spirit not just to lead us to salvation, but to indwell us by the power of His Holy Spirit. God gave us the gift of Jesus unto salvation. Then He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit for our participation. He empowered us so that we could participate in ministry, to do the work of ministry. No good gift does God withhold from us. We know that God gave us Jesus, and then He gave us the Holy Spirit. He is the greatest gift giver. All through Acts, it says the gift of the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of hands. Now, this is something I really want us to focus on. Uh, I think three years ago, I did a study on the basic Christian doctrines. Now, the basic Christian doctrines in Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, laying on of hands is one of the basic doctrines like we talking about laying on hands if you've ever seen someone come up to an altar to get prayer for and physically hands laid on people it's biblical it's not we just like oh well let's just do it this way sounds good no it is biblical the, the 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 principle of laying on of hands now the laying on of hands you know it's it's something that that is that is used for 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 impartation, it, it's, it was done for healing, it was done for anointing. You see it all in the Old Testament. The father would lay his hand on his children and transfer an inherited blessing to his children's children. There's one story of where he did it and then he did it to the wrong son and came back. I can't get it back. I transferred that authority to you. So there is something very symbolic and powerful about the laying on of hands. Stay with, stay with me on that. The laying on of hands. All right. So we have to understand that we need the Holy Spirit to be fully released in our life. Can you agree with me on that? Can you agree to not get caught up in all the details of what in the world that looks like? If I speak in tongues, I speak in tongues. If I don't speak in tongues, it don't matter. But what I can do, I can pray and I can believe and I can release him fully in my life. Because I'd have to preach a whole nother sermon. I get into that. Okay. Don't get hung up on figuring out. All the details but believe and receive. In Acts 8:14 through 19, the uh, Samaritans had received the gospel, and Peter and John went to Samaria when they arrived. They asked them, they said to the new believers, "Uh, you know, have you received this Holy Spirit? And it was like, we don't even know what this Holy Spirit is. So this is what it says. It says, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay? So this is they were kind of stuck between this Old Testament and New Testament straddle. They were on one side of Jesus before he, he died, and then he was on, they were on the other side of where he resurrected. Guess what? We are all on that front side of it now. We should be receiving the fullness of everything. Don't go back to the law. You say, well, you know, they didn't know, so it's okay. No, it wasn't okay. They showed up and said, you don't know about this? So then in verse 17, it says, "Then listen to what it says, Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Peter and John had something in them that they could give. Now listen, if you don't have the Holy Spirit like that, you can't give the Holy Spirit like that. If I don't have a blessing to give to my children, I cannot give that to them. But everything that I have been given, guess what? I can give that to someone else. Now listen, look at verse 18. It says, Then Simon saw that the Spirit had been given at the laying on of the apostles' hands. He offered them money. And he said, Give me this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now I'm not going to derail this whole message. But there was something that he saw that bared witness to the evidence that they had received. It wasn't like, oh, laid their hands on it and they walked away exactly the same. It says, oh, nothing happened. No, something happened, and it was very evident, saw it. If we, know, we know if we look at the outpouring, they didn't just see it, but they heard it, right? There was always evidence of, of receiving this full baptism of the Holy Spirit that the Scripture talks about. Acts 2, 38 through 39, here's what we do. Here, here, here's, the, here's the follow-through of this whole message. Peter replied to them, He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. What is that? That's basic salvation. And that's water baptism. Right? And then he goes on to say, he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What was once separate, God has now put together. He says, believe, repent, and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And check this out. He didn't just say, it's just for you. Because some of that doctrine is out there saying, oh, well, it was just for them. It was just for the starting of the church, and man, I'm glad it stuck because we got the church today. But no, this this is what my Bible says. It says, this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. This is for all... going to bold it, circle it, slash it, whatever. All whom the Lord our God will call. So that's 2,000 years later for Pastor Noe. For each of you, those who he has called, he's also gifted. And release that to you. But the gift of salvation is found in Jesus. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is the power unto salvation. It allows you to walk it out. We know that we're a new creation in Jesus. But we still need the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us to be all that God needs us to be. You realize that, guys? God needs us to be something great on the face of the earth. The church, His people, His Holy Spirit, that was His plan. Acts 4.31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what they did do. They spoke the word of God boldly. They spoke the word of God boldly. What would be your measuring stick this morning? First and foremost, have you believed in the Holy Spirit? Have you chosen to fully release the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Thirdly, has anybody ever placed their hands on you and prayed for you? I'm not saying God can't just zap you where you're at. Oh man, this one service, I was just there and I tell you what, that's how I received from the heathen himself. Placed his hands on me and there was a transference in my life. And from that moment, I still remember it when my life was forever changed. If you cannot remember that, maybe you've never experienced that. So this morning, I want to have altar call time. This is not an after-the-fact thing. This is part-of-it thing. To where you have the opportunity this morning to receive God's greatest gift. His Holy Spirit. You got to stand to your feet with me. This morning, if you say, Pastor, you got me all kinds of messed up. But this morning, if you say, Pastor, what you're talking about and what you've experienced and what you have, I don't have it. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is really easy to receive. It really, really is. And you can miss hell just by an inch and you'll still go to heaven. But God didn't stop there. He said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You say, Pastor, I've never... Is, is, there, is there some of you in the room that you say, Man, I've never had somebody place their hands on me and pray for me. Is that anybody? All of y'all had your hands, pla- had hands placed on you and prayed for? Every single one of you? Praise God for that or y'all all lying. But that is the key... That releases the gift, because what I have, I can give to you. So this morning, maybe you practice the one and done. Oh, I remember a long time ago. You know, uh, no discredit to my mama, but my family and my kids—they're all a part of my life, and they're a lot of—they're—they're they're part of a lot of my messages. And I remember asking my mom. Mom, you ever got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues? You know she told me? Mom, I love you if you're ever going to watch this. Hopefully she don't even watch it I ain't got to worry about it. She says, yeah, I did once, but I lost it. So I programmed that in doctrine. And then I went to Christ for the Nation's Bible School. And I said, man, this ain't something you can lose. This is something you can use and access any moment, anytime, anytime you need it. But the devil held me to that for a long time. I said, I guess you get it. You can lose it. May, you know, like, and then, you know, that is, that's dangerous because if I can lose the Holy Spirit, I can lose salvation. Slippery slope. The devil will bust you up on that. But it is a gift that is not a one and done thing, but it is something that you should continually be, be renewed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're a bubbling brook ready to, to, to just allow it to flow out of you or you are a dam that is stopped up. But the scripture says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You ever seen stagnant water? Smells. There's no life in it. It's toxic. Sometimes our lives begin to look like that. Because we put things in place to stop up the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Been there, done that? How do we do that? Every single time we tell the Holy Spirit, no. Every time. Get rid of that sin. No, I'm going to play with it just for a little while. Hey, don't do that. That's against Scripture. No, I'm going to dabble with that just a little bit. Anytime we tell the Spirit no, we begin to dam dam up that flow of the Spirit of God in our life. So where are we going with this, Pastor Noe? The Spirit of God is about to pour out a new river of refreshing. And in this place, it has the power to remove all of those things that you have put in place in your life, and it will remove those. But you have to come and stand under the waterfall of his grace and allow it to rain down from heaven and fall on you and say, Holy Spirit, flow in me. If, if, if you're here this morning and you've never received, you know, you've never had somebody place their hands on you, I want you to come because I man, I got a hard time believing everybody's done that. If, we're doing, if we've done that, we are doing great as a church, but I think we've missed that. But this morning, if you say, you know what, maybe that's what the issue is. I've just never had somebody place my hands, had somebody place their hands on me and prayed for me to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? The prayer team that's here this morning, every single one of them are filled with the Spirit of God, and they are going to transfer what they have to you. Yes. I told Mark, I said, Mark, we've got to have people that have it, because if, ha- if they don't have it, they can't give it. Pouring out of an empty pitcher. If this morning, if you're just wanting more, the altar's open. You may say, Pastor, the flow's good back here. Yeah, you just got the trickle. The waterfall happens here. If that's you and that's what you want this morning, move your feet. Come on. going to get Jessica just to lead us in a song. And this is alter. This is part of the service. This is not separate. This is not, Hey, if you need this, this is, this is a necessity for your life. So this morning we're going to get some of the leaders. They're going to go around. Any leader that prays for you this morning, I trust them with my life. They've been commissioned by me. So if you trust me, you can trust them. And with the same authority that God has given me, I give them today. To relieve the gifts, the anointing, and the power of His Holy Spirit. As we sing this morning, I just want you to, you know, I don't know if you're like, you say, man, Pastor, you're getting me all uncomfortable. I already came up here. I just want you to lift up your hands to heaven. And pretend your hands are a, flu- a funnel that is going to just catch the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. Pour out your spirit, O God. But never be the same, O God. Now, it said that others saw it. It says that some heard it. So it don't really matter how it comes. You just respond as the Spirit enables within you, whatever comes out. If it's a falling to your knees, if it's a crying out from the depths of your soul, allow the Spirit of God to be released today to you. Lord, thank you, Father God. Thank you for your goodness. Welcome in our lives, oh God. Father, we open every door, every place we give you access. Father, that our faith would grow.